Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. The word that God has put in my heart. This last week, he led me to the story um, of Elijah. Now, I love reading stories in the Bible, and I'm very imaginative, so I love like in my mind, picturing them come alive. And I'm going to try to scoot through this first story quick because God didn't let me park there. So I started there. That's where I want it to be. It like preaches really good. It's like so fun. The fire of God comes down. It's an amazing story. And the Lord's like, but I want you to go to the next chapter. And that's just setting up. So I just want to uh, just explain a little bit of context before we jump into the word this morning. But in 1 Kings 16, there was a king and his name was Ahab. And he was a very wicked king. In fact, the Bible says that he was the most wicked king that had ever um, been a king in Israel. And this is a time where the kingdom was divided and there had been many wicked kings. There were some good ones, but many wicked kings. And Elijah was the prophet during this time. And he was the one that was supposed to be turning people's eyes and their vision back to God. And he was discouraged because many people had turned away from God. And they were um, actually bowing down idolatry to Baal. And they had Asherah poles, which was to the goddess Asherah. And there was idolatry and mixture. And so you know what Elijah does? He was very upset about this. And he said, you know what? There's going to be no more rain in this land until I say that there's going to be rain. And guess what? There was no more rain. And the interesting thing is the people that worshipped Baal, they felt like Baal was the deity that controlled the weather. So Elijah, even using this as his stance to say the one true God is Yahweh, he was literally in the face of what the people believed to be true about Baal. And in this moment, he decided the Lord led him to call a deity showdown. I mean, this would have been like the talk of the country. So he said, hey... He said to King Ahab, I want you to gather all of the false prophets. There was 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. I want you to gather them all at Mount Carmel, and we're going to come, and we're going to see who is the one true God. So Elijah, or Ahab did that, gathered all the people. So just imagine you have a Mount Carmel. Elijah's there, 950 false prophets, and then all of the nation of Israel is surrounding. They're like, ooh, what's going to happen? I mean, it was like, whoa. Whoa entertainment. They didn't even know what was about ready to happen. Well, what happened was as they were, the Baal's prophets were trying to call down fire. See, Elijah said, the God who is real will come down with fire. So why don't you pray to your God? I'll pray to my God and we'll see who's real. So the prophets of Baal, I mean, they danced hard. It says they raved in one translation. I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, they were going crazy. Then it says that they began to cut themselves as they were pleading with Baal. Please come down with the fire. Show that you're true. But of course he was not. So then Elijah starts taunting him. I think Elijah had a really fiery personality probably. He was probably a little sassy. And he's like, your God is probably sleeping. He might be a little busy. He might be tired. He's doing a project. He's doing a DIY in his backyard. I don't know. But he is not listening to you. So you need to scream louder. So they scream louder, and then they begin cutting themselves and are covered in blood. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. No fire came down. So this is the moment Elijah took courage, and he standed up, and he began to rebuild the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. 
and he put the sacrifice on it, and he put the wood on there, and then just for good measure to prove that this was like no accident when fire explodes from the sacrifice, he pours water. He has servants pour it four times. It was so much water that it flooded. There was a trench around the altar, and it just flooded, and there was water every, everywhere. And he calls to the name of the Lord, and fire comes down on that altar and consumed it. And what it says is the people fell on their faces before God, and they shouted, God is the one true God. God is the one true God. And they began passionate, so passionate, they actually killed all of the prophets of Baal. So in one moment when the fire came down, there was a transformation in a city and a nation and a country where all of a sudden you had people chanting, there is one true God, there is one true God. And then Elijah prayed for rain, and that's another whole message in itself, which I'd love to preach, but I'm not. And rain came so much that it flooded, and the sky turned black. And poor Ahab was trying to go down the mountain in his chariot. And the strength of God filled Elijah so much that he outran the chariot. I mean, this is some, like, flash, or what is the flash? Is it a flash? Yeah, when he runs really fast, he's like, Vroom. I mean, it'd be like you're going down the freeway, and all of a sudden you're like, someone's just running by you. You're like, what, what was that? This is some power of God stuff. And I believe that God is showing up right now. There's a time where God is showing up in power. We had some things happen last weekend where women said they felt the power of God so strong that they were literally pinned to their chair or pinned to the floor where the power of God was there. I had one woman tell me that literally I've struggled with fear my whole life and the power of fear was broken that night in the presence of God. We are seeing the power of God in this day and age and I believe it's coming. I believe the rain is coming. I believe that the sky is growing black as the God is beginning to pour out his spirit and God is pouring out his spirit but that's not where the Lord let me stop and I believe that God is speaking to us as a body and as the church of Denver collectively that we have to be positioned to sustain the revival or it will destroy us and if we don't have a personal encounter with a living God that is me in God him right here there is something that will destroy me and discourage me because the enemy is just as real. And he wants to lie to you and deceive you and discourage you and destroy you. And here we have a prophet who has just experienced the most incredible, like God like showed up, validated him. I mean, he must have been walking around like, whoa, what just happened? But you know what happened? Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, who had brought the prophets of Baal. You know, she puts out a word, I'm going to kill Elijah. And one woman's voice I want you to catch this. We have seen fire fall from the sky. We've had supernatural strength where you can run like 60 miles an hour. We have seen rain stop and then rain come. We have seen the miracles of God. Elijah had been used by God and one voice whoosh, stopped it. And here's where we're going to start the story today. 1 Kings 19.3. Queen uh, Jezebel had said, I'm going to like put out a word. We're going to kill the prophet. And it says this, then Elijah became afraid. This is the same Elijah that called fire down from the sky. And now he became afraid and he immediately ran for his life. And we came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah. He left the servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel said, get up and eat. 
And then he looked there, and at his head there was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank. And then on, on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights. I want some of that food. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what kind, what kind of food was that? Oh, it was like supernatural food. And he went to the mountain of God, and there he entered a cave and spent the night. So then the Lord came to him in the cave, and he said, why are you here, Elijah? What is it that you desire? I want you to remember that question. Verse 10, as you know, all my passion has been devoted to the eternal one, the God of heavenly armies. The Israelites have abandoned your covenant with them. They have torn down every single one of your altars, and they've executed by the, word, the sword all those who prophesy in your name. I am the last remaining prophet, and they now seek to execute me as well. And God says this, leave this cave. Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say that like with passion, leave this cave. Go stand on the mountainside, and I love this. It says, leave this cave, go stand on the mountainside in my presence. And the eternal passed by him. The mighty wind separated the mountains and crumbled every stone before the eternal. This was not a divine wind, for God was not within the wind. After the wind passed through, an earthquake shook the earth. But this was not a divine quake, for God was not within the earthquake. After the earthquake was over, there was a fire. This was not a divine fire, for God was not within the fire. And after the fire died out, there was nothing but the sound of a calm breeze. And through this breeze, a gentle, quiet voice entered into Elijah's ears. And he covered his face with his cloak and went to the mountain, or the mouth of the cave. And suddenly he was surprised. For a second time, God comes to him and says, why are you here, Elijah? What is it that you desire? Some of you today are, I'm asking that. Why are you here today? What is it that you desire? And here's what Elijah says. He says, as you know, all my passion, he goes on with the same thing he said before. All my passion has been devoted to the eternal God of heavenly armies. The Israelites have abandoned your covenant with them and have torn down every one of your altars. And they have executed all who prophesy in your name. I'm the last remaining prophet. Now they seek to execute me as well. So the Lord pretty much bypasses what he says. He says, travel back the same way you traveled here, but continue north to the desert of Damascus. There, I want to anoint Hazael as Aram's king, Jehu as Israel's king, and Elisha to replace you as a prophet. Jehu will execute anyone who escapes from Hazael, and Elisha will execute all who escape from Jehu. And I will keep for myself the 7,000 Israelites who have not bowed down to Baal or offered him kisses. You know, I think this is interesting. Do you know there's no record after this point? Elijah had some ups and downs, and he would get discouraged, and he would be um, frustrated. But from this moment on, from after this encounter with a living God, where God, like, literally whispered in his ear, never again did he get to this low moment. Never again because of one encounter with Jesus. And God has begun just stirring my heart, stirring my heart. We have this um, craving and culture to see power. We want to see something powerful. I mean, why are there so many superheroes, which I'll be honest, I love every single superhero. I love every one of those movies when they come out. I'm like, I'm there. I love it. I love it. I might get them a little mixed up, and I have to ask my kids, which one does what, and which ones? Like, there's DC, and then there's, like, the, you know, it gets all mixed up. But I just love them all. We have this obsession that, that to have power that goes beyond the natural, right? 
right? We want that. And yet in a culture that is obsessed with power, God wants to speak in a gentle, quiet voice. And some of us have been wanting to see a move of God, me. I want to see the power of God. I want to see healings. I want to see supernatural power of God. But I also need the still, small voice that meets me on a Monday morning when I don't want to get up and go to work. That meets me when I have a discouragement or you get laid off from your job and you have a still, small voice. That is the most beautiful thing that we as Christians have access to is a relationship one-on-one, God's everywhere, but one-on-one with the presence of Jesus. So know this, God is personally positioning us for what God wants to do in our city. But we have to know this, number one, every victory is tested personally. I mean, Elijah had this incredible moment, uh, like literally incredible moment. It was like, power of God, power of God, power of God, I'm the man. I am the man. And yet immediately follow has this personal test. One woman is threatening to kill him, and this is how he responds. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. The one that experienced all these miracles with one person's words, Elijah hits emotional rock bottom. He goes from declaring who God is and declaring that he is the one true God and bringing a whole nation that turns to say, God, you're the one true God. And then with one person's words, he becomes so discouraged and in despair that he emotionally goes all the way down to rock bottom where he says, I've had enough. I literally can't do this anymore. And I felt like the Lord said to us that we have to be on guard. We don't give power to somebody else's words. We have to have a personal encounter, Jesus, with where his words, he's so close that his words are what I hear. That there's someone speaking into my ear so clearly that those words, those words have no power over us. And you know what I love about this is God rescued Elijah from himself. God could have said, okay, there you go, you're done. Come up to heaven, you're gone. But God rescued Elijah from himself. You may be discouraged today. You may feel depression. You may have the weight of something on you today. God is coming to you today. We're going to pray today over you that God's presence would come to you and meet you where you're at. I know this, this may be hard to understand, but do you know that even depression, it's not a 21st century condition. You know, sometimes I hear people talk like, oh, you know, this is on the, no, read the Bible. David was greatly depressed and discouraged at moments. This is not something new. It is all throughout the Bible, people that faced really difficult things. And yet we also see a way through it, a way that God can encourage us, a way that God can lift us up. God is there to rescue. You know what else I love is that he gave him food for the journey. I know that seems really practical, but how cool is that? Like that God knew that Elijah didn't just need this supernatural experience. He needed food 
and he needed rest. And I was reading this, and it was so interesting. The spirit, it's by Spurgeon. The spirit needs to be fed, and the body needs feeding also. Do not forget these matters. It may seem to uh, some people that I ought not to mention such small things as food and rest, but these must be the very first elements in really helping a poor, depressed servant of God. I laughed out loud. And I believe God is awakening us and positioning us, even in the natural. Okay, that's not like a, you know, crazy power of God word. But even in the natural, we have to take care of the vessels that God gave us so that we can be prepared to do what God has called us to do. So God is going to give you the food both spiritually and naturally. He's going to take care of you. In that test, do not forget the natural that God wants you to experience. Don't be worried if that wilderness takes longer than predicted. You know, I was reading that um, as, you know, Elijah went on this journey, it says God sent him on a journey, and he went for 40 days. You know, 40 has a lot of significance, which we won't get into, but there was some main ones. 40 uh, years in the wilderness the Israelites spent, but this one got me, and there's 40 days of rain in Noah's flood, but 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness preparing to walk into his ministry. See, we look at wilderness times and we're like, boo-hoo, I don't want those. And yet it's in the wilderness that God is preparing you for the promise. And the process that God is doing in the wilderness is exactly what is equipping you to take the promised land. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't be like, I got to get to the next one. I got to get to the next one. I can tell you, I've had in the last 10 years some wilderness times. Some times where my faith could see something, but my eyeballs saw nothing. I would show up and I'd be like, oh, okay, there's 49 people here this morning. Here we go. Let's do this. And I had to give my heart and my all and see with eyes of faith that God was going to reach a city, that God was going beyond the four walls of that house or that restaurant or that park or that uh, hotel, every hotel that I know the inside and out of. Because God was doing something inside me. You know what's interesting is that journey from Beersheba to Horeb should have taken 10 days to walk. And it took 40 days, 40 days. I think that that is on purpose. I think the Lord was doing something in Elijah during that 40 days. So God's going to test you personally. And it might be right after a victory. And woman, I'm going to talk to you for a second. You might have had a victory last weekend. You might have been freed from something. You might have been healed from something. Don't be discouraged this week when Tuesday something hits you in the face and it's hard. God might test you. But he is pulling you in to have a personal encounter with him that's going to carry you to your promise. Amen? Number two, our emotions can lead us to see facts incorrectly. Man, does anybody feel like this is true? <laughs> Do you know, um, I have three children, and one of them, not to be mentioned, can get very hangry. I'm talking about like hungry and angry together, and I won't mention his name. But it's one of my, one of my three children. And I'm talking about, like, full-on personality changes. We go from, like, doo-doo-doo to, like, I'm like, life is bad. Everything's bad. Everything, you know. And I'm like, whoa. And then I'm like, go make him a cheese sandwich. Okay. Oh, my word. They're, they're that, that child of mine that might have a, a masculine feminine or masculine uh, pronoun. But uh, that, that child changes personality. But it is amazing how emotions can lead us to actually see facts different. To actually see our circumstances completely different. And this is what happened to Elijah. He allowed these emotions, this distress, this discouragement to actually make him see facts even wrong. 
Because, you know, God says to him, he traveled 40 days, and then he goes into a cave. And God comes to him and says, why are you here? What is it you desire? You know, he could have asked for anything. But what he says is this. He's just emotional. I think he had 40 days, and God is like bringing stuff to the surface. Bringing stuff to the surface, as he does. Elijah begins to say, I know all my passion has been devoted to the eternal one, the God of heavenly armies. The first thing he does is he brings attention to himself. This is what I have done for you. The next thing he does is he says, the Israelites have abandoned your covenant with them. They've torn down every single one of your altars. All of a sudden, his focus goes from the miracle that God just did. He focuses on the wrong thing. He begins to focus on all of those things that are discouraging and depressing. His emotions are taking him there. And then he says this, I am the last remaining prophet. And now they seek to execute me as well. That is also not true because in two previous chapters, Obadiah had hit 50 prophets. And he knew that because he had a conversation with Obadiah about it. So now his emotions led him to literally say, I am all alone. I think that is the enemy's favorite favorite thing to say to us. And all of a sudden you're walking on this road. I'm the only one going through this. I'm all alone in this. And last Friday we did something special so that we as women would know that we are not alone in our struggle. We stood up for our sisters and discovered we are not alone. But see, the enemy caused Elijah's emotions to see the facts not as they were. Because the facts were that 950 of Baal's prophets and Asherahs had literally been killed. That the whole country had been literally on their face before God saying, you are the one true God. And there was 50 prophets that were hidden in a cave. Prophets of God. He was not alone. But he felt alone. And his emotions made him feel that. So his emotions led him to focus on himself rather than what God had just done. Be aware. Be aware when your emotions lead you to think about your accomplishments and who, what you've done. Because that will take you down a wrong path. Our first season in Denver, I remember saying to the Lord, look at what all we've done. And now I'm ashamed that I said that. Because it was the Lord that did it all anyways. I don't want to have my eyes on myself. His emotions led him to focus on the wrong thing. And his emotions forced him to say things or made him say things that were not true. Are you a half empty glass full? Which one are you? I said it wrong. Are you a glass half empty or a glass half full? It's like a simple thing to ask. But it's a very, it has a very serious impact on your emotions. What are you focused on today? What are you focused on? I want to ask you this question. Who is leading in your life? Are you being led by truth? Are you being led by the word of God? What are you being led by or are your emotions leading you? And you'll know this by the fruit of what comes out of your mouth. Who's leading? Because God is asking you today, why are you here? And what is it that you desire? Because God wants to meet you today. Number three, you must leave the cave to encounter his presence. First thing that God says to him so he's walked, you know, Elijah's walked 40 days, then he goes and he hides in a cave. That's the first thing Elijah said he did. And the first thing that God says is, leave this cave. Get out of the cave and go stand on the mountainside in my presence. So we know now, like he's in this cave. God didn't tell him to go to the cave. God told him to go to Horeb, 
where church represented the presence of God. That's where uh, so many powerful things happen. It's where Moses got the Ten Commandments. It was a meeting place with God. And Elijah goes and hides in a cave. Sometimes we do this very thing. We, we pull ourselves out of the equation and we just, it's safer to just go on with life and hide in the cave. That cave represents something. Sometimes we're hiding from our pain. We don't want to face it, so we ignore it. Sometimes we're hiding from our shame. We don't want to address the things that have happened in our lives. Sometimes we're, we're um, hiding from our mistakes or our failures or embarrassment or things that have happened. And I love that the very first thing God does is say, come on out. I already know, Elijah, you're having a really serious panic attack in the cave right now. It's all right. I know it. I already know you're in there. You're whining. You're complaining. You're thinking about yourself. I already know all that. So the very th first thing he says is, come out of the cave. Come out of your hiding. What is the mask that you're hiding behind today? What is that smile that is covering up what is really going on in your heart? Because God wants to minister to your heart today. See, God pushed back all of the miracles, all the stuff, and he comes right in and he addresses Elijah as a person. He sees past the crowd, Elijah, that everybody else sees. And he weeds past all of that and he says, come out. Come out behind what you're hiding in. Come out. I want to minister to you. I want to speak right to you. Despair and hopelessness have a way causing us to hide sometimes. But we've got to have the courage to leave the place where we've been. So maybe you're used to walking in that discouragement. And today God's going to say, actually, walk out from the cave and meet me here today. You know, I read this this week. There was nothing fundamentally wrong with Elijah's theology. But at the time, there was something lacking in his experience. See, we have a lot of Christians that walk around and they know God, that is the true God, that is the true God, that is the true God. But because they haven't had a personal encounter with the presence of Jesus, it doesn't do anything. They can get discouraged and you get tossed by the winds and the waves. See, because you can know God. That's a theological revelation that God gives you. But until you have a personal encounter with a living God, it will not carry you. That miracle you saw will not carry you. Until you have a face-to-face, -face, the crowd is gone, you have a face-to-face -face experience with the presence of God. That's what I'm praying for. Yes, I want God to show up. Wouldn't it be cool if his glory cloud just filled this place? Like literally, I mean, I would be like, oh, that'd be amazing. But what I really want is a personal, personal encounter with Jesus. I want to be sitting in my living room, on my couch, and I want to be overcome with the presence of God. So that no discouragement, no voice, no outside force can shake me. What did it say What we sing this morning? I will not be shaken. My trust is in God. When we have a personal encounter with Jesus, we begin to know who he is. We know that we can trust him. We begin to get to know his nature, know that he's faithful and that he's good and that he cares and he loves us. And it changes everything. Because then when something comes and tries to shake us, we stand. My firm trust is in the Lord of Lords. It is not in my boss. It is not in my spouse. It is not in anything but the Lord. That encounter is what literally carries, carries us. So it's time to leave the cave. Church, it's time. 
It's time to encounter the presence of God. Number four, God shows his power to the crowd, but his presence is revealed in a quiet whisper. 1 Kings 19, 11, when God passed by and he was not in the wind, he was not in the earthquake, he was not in the fire. And you think about those three things, they are pretty much what represent, like, all the natural powers that we know really are summed up in those three things. Isn't that interesting? All the natural things like an earthquake, which, you know, sets in motion a tsunami. So that's a like huge, powerful, natural thing. You know, the wind is like hurricanes and tornadoes. It's, it's the thing. And a fire, you know, fire destroys. It can come and just literally take out a whole city A fire. These are powerful things. Things that are just, like, catch your eye, obviously. But God was not in any of those things. I'm going to read this again. After the fire died out, there was nothing but the sound of a calm breeze. And even in this place, I'm praying right now for the sweetness of his presence to sweep through this place. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what storm even that maybe you're in. But God's presence, the sweetness, the calm of his presence the quiet voice is here to speak to you. God loves to show his power, and he is showing his power. But what will sustain us is a personal encounter with a living God. See, God met Elijah in the most personal way. You know, um, I've had on occasion somebody come up and whisper in my ear that I don't know very well. Is that not like uncomfortable? You're like, oh, like that is just awkward. I do not know you. Like no personal space, buddy. Nope, nope, nope. Do you know? Because it's intimate. When someone gets right up in your ear, that needs to be like your close friends and family. That is not like some Joe Blow at the bus stop that you're like, like no, no, that no personal bubble right here. Why does God say that he literally got right up to his ear, right up to his ear? It's because it's intimate and it's personal. How crazy is that, that, that Elijah had already seen God demonstrate his power. But what changed Elijah forever was one moment, one intimate personal moment where God spoke directly to him. God wants to speak to each one of us. God just doesn't want to speak to a few or the spiritual few. God wants to speak to each one of us. You know, when God um, speaks to you, he's speaking straight to you. That's why somebody whispers, you know. It's because they don't want anybody else to hear, right? Of course, kids are the best whisperers of all because their whisper is so loud. It's like louder than a normal conversation. You're like, just talk normal. <laughs> you know, I used to say to my kids, like, quiet voice. And I'd be like, that quiet voice is louder than your normal voice. So let's not do that anymore. But it's because he doesn't want anybody else to hear. So again, God is showing Elijah this, like, I, I don't even want anybody else to hear. This is, like, special. This is something special for you and me. It's a relationship with you and me. And you know, it's very interesting to me as you read on in 2 Kings that Elijah had such a closeness with Jesus. Do you know, even though he was one of the ones that was like, take me now, I can't do this anymore, I've had enough, I want to die. That he was literally one of two men that never died. He had such a close connection with Jesus 
with God that literally God's like, yeah, we're going to skip that with you. Like, just come, come up into the chariot. We're just going to like, you're just going to like come up with me. He never experienced death. There was two men, Enoch and him, that never experienced death. There was such a personal relationship with God that he just even didn't have death like normal. And today I felt like God said to speak. I wish I could sit across a coffee table with each one of you and say you are his one today. You're looking at your neighbor and you're like, I'm sure this is God wants to do something really incredible in their life. But I don't know where you come from. I don't even know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus. But God is coming down right now in this place. His presence is real. His presence is here now. And he is looking at you. And he is saying, you are my one. You are the one I want to whisper to. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. You are my one. God has something so beautiful. Well, I think in this moment, you know, God repeats himself and I was reading about it and it was just interesting. But God again, so he's had this encounter with God. And then God says to Elijah, why are you here, Elijah? What is it that you desire? And in this moment, Elijah again doesn't even get to the point. Isn't it hard sometimes to articulate that question? Maybe you came here today and you're like, I don't even know how to answer that question. What is it that I desire? Maybe you desire a healed marriage. Maybe you desire, I remember someone saying to me, I just want one happy day. We all come in here with different things in their heart to articulate sometime, but Jesus is coming. And you know what is so cool? He doesn't, no matter what you say, he already knows what you really need. And here's, here's what happens in the story. So Elijah just kind of rambles on again, says the same things. And the Lord pretty much ignores everything that Elijah just said. Like, almost like he just didn't say it. In his kindness, he says this, travel back the same way you traveled here, but continue north. There I want to anoint a king and anoint another king. And I want to bring Elisha into your life and he's going to be your successor. The crazy thing is God knew that Elijah needed to get back to purpose. See, the, the reason for an encounter with a, a personal, loving, incredible God is not just that we can have goosebumps on a Sunday morning, which I got to love. I love it when you're in worship and I just want to like rock it right up in the heavens. And I'm like, yes. Last weekend, I left with a very hoarse voice and I was like, wow, that's so weird. I didn't lead worship. I didn't know because I was sitting down there like literally singing <laughs> with every passion and there was many times where the presence of God washed over me and it was a physical thing. I could feel the presence of God. I could feel the goosebumps. I could feel all that. But you know, the, the purpose for the, this moment with Jesus is to direct us back to our mission. God wants to go like this. Oh yeah, this is your mission. This is what I've called you to do. Church, God has work for you to do. God has people for you to reach. And as long as you're in the cave hiding out, you will never reach the people that God has called you to reach. And we got to stop doing what Elijah did, was talking about all the bad things that happened. And we need to begin to accept the purpose that God has brought 
brought us to this moment of personal encounter right near the Pearl Church on this Sunday morning. For God to be like, all that stuff, like, I'm going to ignore that you whined all day yesterday. Like, I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm going to meet you. And then I'm going to direct you back to your purpose and what God has called you to do. I got to read Spurgeon's words as we close here. I want to pray for some people because he says I'm just like, in a way, I just can't put language into it. He says this. He's commentating on this passage. He says, Elijah needed a task to focus on so he could avoid excessive introspection. <laughs> Anybody ever, like, overthink anything, get, like, too much in your head? I'm sorry. Can you wave at me if you, like, feel like, yeah, okay. In good company. It says he needed to stop looking at itself in his own admittedly difficult circumstances. He needed to get on with what God wanted him to do. And then the Lord did what perhaps was best of all for Elijah. He gave him some more work to do. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, uh-huh, yeah, I got that. But that's what we're, what are we created to do? That's what makes me come alive. And then he says he sent him off about his master's business again. And I warrant you that when Elijah came back over that road, it was with a very different step from that which brought him down to Beersheba. He had come along terrified, distressed, but now he goes back with the majesty that belongs to the Tishbite, and he is afraid of no Jezebel now. Come on. See, this is what happens when we have an encounter with God. When God meets us, his presence is so real. It's not for the goosebumps, but we like the goosebumps. It's not for that moment where the power of God is like electric. It's like amazing. It's like, but guess what? Tomorrow when you go to work, God has called you to minister to your coworker. That neighbor that you keep walking by every single day at the bus stop with your kids, you are called. You are anointed to minister to them, to wake up from the cave that you are in and to see Jesus move in our city. How is revival going to happen? It's not from us just doing church over and over and over again. It's from us letting the encounter do something in us that, like Elijah, transforms us. So we walk in here discouraged on a Sunday morning. We walk out empowered. Who's my one this week? Who am I going to preach the gospel to this week? You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You are the message. And God is calling us to reach this city. I can't say it enough. Then last weekend, God just said, speak life, speak life, speak life. God is awakening us in this city, in this region. Colorado is dry. Colorado is high. It is proud, but it needs Jesus more than ever before. There's been an emptiness in this region, just an emptiness. And God is coming with personal encounter, but it's for his mission. So I want to pray for some people this morning. If you just... um stand with me right now in this moment. I believe that God is stirring us, stirring us as a body, stirring us as a people, stirring us as pastors. We had like 40 pastors in a room last Friday, praying, crying, relating. God is doing something in our city. God is doing something that goes beyond us, but I want you to remember it's for you. So when every eye closed, Maybe you've been in a season. Maybe it's been a wilderness season. Maybe it's been a dry season. And you feel like, oh, I have not personally had that encounter she's talking about. I can't even imagine God caring enough to maybe whisper in my ear right in this moment. And you feel you felt that distance. You haven't felt that personal encounter with Jesus that he has for you. Without it, you'll be like Elijah hiding 
without that encounter, you'll be discouraged and be depressed. Without it, you'll be focusing on all what you don't have and what has happened in the past. And today, God wants to break that off of you. So right now, I'm going to ask some courage from you. Every eye closed. If you're in this room and you're like, I need an encounter with God. Now, whether you are here today and you've known God your whole life, but you've been going through the motions, it's for you. But maybe today you don't even know God. This is for you. God brought you here this morning to meet you right where you were at. So everybody, this is you and Jesus. If you need to have an encounter with the presence of God this morning, I want you to lift your hands in this place. You're saying, God, I need the presence of God. I need to go beyond just the, the power, the big experience. I need that encounter. I need that gentle whisper. Come on, lift your hands. This is Jesus right now in this place. And I believe that his presence is literally going to pour over you like never before. Come on, wake you up. Breathe life. Breathe, breathe his spirit into you. Straight up to Jesus, Father, I pray. God, I pray, I pray right now for the presence of God to pour over this place, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. God, we need you, Jesus. We are hungry, God. God, we sing it. I am not enough unless you come.